Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by TSX Broadway, I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Intel's next CEO may come from Apple and what we just learned about electric vehicles at the Detroit Auto Show. But first, startups shun venture capital. That's the message of a recent article in the New York Times by Aaron Griffith, who writes that a small but growing number of company founders are seeking less conventional ways to finance their early days, not so much using bank loans or borrowing from an uncle, but rather new types of investment vehicles that cap returns and maybe get paid via a percentage of company profits rather than owning and eventually selling company stock. The reality is that many of the world's largest new companies, particularly in tech and healthcare, use venture capital as their energy source. But as venture capitalist Josh Koppelman explains, motorcycles are common while jet planes are rare. He sells jet fuel, and bad stuff happens if you push jet fuel on a motorcycle owner. The big question then is if these alternative financing sources can become large enough and pervasive enough to provide a viable alternative to venture capital for those who want it. And if such a realignment could change some of the um, more questionable behaviors of Silicon Valley tech companies. We'll go deeper on this in 20 seconds with Aaron Griffith of The New York Times. But first, this. TSX Broadway will breathe new life into Times Square. A new 46-story tower has been completely reimagined to harness the power of one of the most iconic intersections in the world. With 75,000 square feet of retail, the area's only permanent outdoor stage, and state-of-the-art technology to interact directly with consumers. Learn more about the future of retail at tsxbroadway.com. We're joined now by New York Times reporter Aaron Griffith. So, Aaron, you and I have both covered venture capital for a very long time and have even both worked at VC-backed media companies. So what got you interested in writing about company founders who don't want venture capital? Well, it's a trend that I picked up on, I think, maybe starting back over a year ago. I don't know if you remember, there was a couple of years ago I wrote this story about this pattern of fraud and unethical behavior that we were seeing at venture-backed startups from Zenefits to Theranos to some of the lesser-known situations. And out of that, there was this zebra movement that sort of emerged around the same time where they were looking at all of these ethical shortcomings, including the lack of diversity and some of the harassment things that began to bubble up and realizing we don't want to be a part of this. And venture capital is sort of the one aspect of all these situations that they all seem to have in common. And I've always wanted to write about that because I found that interesting. But then as I started to look into it more, I realized that companies were rejecting venture capital or that way of growing their businesses for a variety of reasons. The Zebra movement is a little bit more politically focused, but there are a lot of companies that simply just don't want to raise venture capital because they don't like the outcomes that it forces them into. So I've been watching this sort of for a while. And it finally, over the summer, I got invited to this conference that was in the story uh, called the Inflection Conference um, that was focused on this exact thing. And I thought, okay, well, if there are conferences that are being built around this idea now, then I think it's probably time to do a trend story. What's the zebra movement? Um, you know, these companies are striving for that billion dollar valuation. And that almost has become like the reason for starting a company, the reason for raising all this money. It's like the thing that's driving this whole ecosystem. And I think that the zebra movement is about realizing that those incentives are not in line with a lot of what a lot of entrepreneurs want. You talk about the foie gras effect, basically the idea that by taking venture capital, entrepreneurs sometimes think they're basically getting stuffed in so much that they mm -hmm. effectively, you know, explode or die in the end. 
there's a part of me that gets it. And then there's a part of me mm-hmm. that says, you know, some of these folks, it's almost like there's a lack of self-control, right? Because you can raise venture mm-hmm. money and then not raise more. It, it's kind of like somebody who's on a diet and decides they therefore cannot go to any restaurant because if they see a menu, they won't be able to, you know, order the healthy thing on it. <laughs> I think that's a valid point because it does, it's not just like the founders have this money being foisted upon them. I think there's sort of a realization that if someone's offering you a ton of money, it's pretty hard to say no to. And then even if you take it and say you're not going to spend it, it's pretty hard to not spend it. And so the incentives work on both sides. And, you know, Fred Wilson blogged about this over the weekend saying, you know, the founders are the ones that are driving this unhealthy growth in some cases where they're asking for higher valuations. They're offering less of a stake to VC firms, which then forces the VC firms to push them to, you know, grow to a bigger valuation because they need a higher outcome. So it is sort of this like self-fulfilling cycle. So I think, you know, founders do recognize that, that like if they get put on this track, they are likely to want to follow this because that's sort of just the nature of what the system has created, where we are in it. You mentioned earlier kind of some of the more political, and I don't mean electoral politics, but call it more demographic Mm -hmm. politics that are kind of part of this zebra movement. Explain that to me a little bit. Why potentially does taking venture funding impact, say, the sorts of people a startup might hire, particularly from a, a gender and racial breakdown perspective? I mean, I think you can trace it all the way back to the fact that the people that are writing these checks are extremely homogenous, you know, sort of middle-aged white men. There's not a lot of diversity in venture capital that's starting to change. A lot of firms are finally putting real effort behind that. Hiring female partners, still a very long way to go, both on that and on the um, racial diversity. So it starts there. But then I think there has been a culture of, you know, hyper growth at all costs. And that often means that a lot of other concerns about the, you know, taking the time to hire HR early on or to think about how to make sure that your company is diverse or how to think about, you know, ways that like think about the outcomes of what's going to happen or what does this business model sort of mean for the types of decisions that we make, ethically speaking. I think there's just like a lot of questions that, that people are tracing back to venture capital as sort of the cause. And I think that's sort of part of the issue. It's more about just being a lot more thoughtful about how they're going to grow their company for the long term. And raising venture capital is one way. And there are a lot of alternatives that are being talked about now. Aaron Griffith, San Francisco correspondent for The New York Times. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. My final two right after this. TSX Broadway, Times Square's first full building brand platform, is driving the future of brick and mortar retail. Through digital customer engagement capabilities and unparalleled space flexibility, TSX Broadway will become a 75,000 square foot playground for the world's most ambitious brands to engage with their consumers on a more personal level. Learn more at tsxbroadway.com. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a new candidate to lead giant chipmaker Intel, which has been without a CEO since Brian Krasanich was forced out six months ago. It's Johnny Soroji, 
Senior Vice President of Hardware Technologies at Apple, where his efforts have included Apple's push to design more of its own silicon. Now, Axios's Ina Fried first reported the news about Soroji, and that came just hours after Bloomberg reported that several other candidates, including Motorola's current CEO, are out of the mix. So here's why it matters. The company that controls chips controls the pace of tech innovation, and Intel continues to battle Samsung for global dominance. And that also means it's a US versus Asia thing. And it is hard to see Intel succeed if it doesn't soon find a permanent leader. And finally, the electric car revolution is moving at a much slower pace than originally anticipated. The AP reports that only two electric vehicles were unveiled this week at the Detroit Auto Show, and one of them, a concept electric SUV from Infiniti, wasn't even physically shown because of technical glitches. Instead, the greener efforts at the auto show were more focused on hybrid SUVs and hybrid trucks. The bottom line, this electric vehicle march to market is just taking way longer than anyone thought, particularly in the US, where the Trump administration has proposed freezing mileage standards at levels that are unlikely to encourage greater adoption. So if you want electric vehicles and you want to see them everywhere, chances are you've got to go overseas. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national strawberry ice cream day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.